There's a word from the Lord today that we want to lift up. At the beginning of this year of 2022, God said to us that our theme should be faith, family, and community. We have certainly been preaching on faith. We're now preaching on family. The month of July here at Bible Way has been deemed the month in which we concentrate our efforts on family, finance, and fitness. We thank God so much for those that are working in those areas of ministry. Thank God for, I said this morning, for this incredible young man in our church who's over our family life's ministry, our fitness ministry, of the Tyshawn Jones young man, young single father, who is so incredible, used to be a head basketball coach. Uh, I, I, I salute you, man. I know he's here somewhere. A uh, young person that's just doing all he can to be an example. This past Tuesday night, our Tuesday night broadcast, we had an incredible young lady, little Gabby, the entrepreneur who started the hair bow business and doing an incredible job. And God has given me the assignment for today to preach on finances. Somebody say finances. Now y'all help me out. I need y'all to tell somebody, don't get mad at pastor. Y'all are, y'all are catch this in the middle of the message, okay? And so I want to preface this message by saying I have no expectations of having you run around the church, jump up and down. If you do, you're welcome to. But this isn't one of those kind of messages. This is a message in which God has said, take your time, share with the virtual audience. Thank you for joining us to the congregation who's here to so many who came even during the 8 o'clock service because God every now and then challenges all of us. And so he's doing that this morning with this message as it relates to finance. Y'all know I'm not one of those kind of preachers that preaches on this often. Perhaps just once a year. I don't even conduct our offertory worship services very rarely. And so I, when I hear from God, God says, share what I've said to you. I did this morning in the early morning service. and God met us in a very special way. And it is my prayer that you would take this message in the, in the spirit in which God shares it with us. With that in mind, I invite you to the book of Proverbs Chapter 13 and verse 22, NIV translation. This is the eighth message in the Family Matters series. Message, sermon number eight, Family Matters. One verse, Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 22. Hear the reading of God's holy word. A good person leaves an inheritance. For their children's children. Mm. But a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. King James says the wealth of the unjust is 
stored up for the just. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you from the subject generational wealth. Generational wealth. Clap those hands as you take your seat. Maybe seat it. Now, when we speak of wealth, just so you know, we aren't just necessarily talking about being filthy rich. I'm talking about necessarily being wealthy, although God certainly has no problems with you becoming wealthy. In our message on last week, we talked to you about generational blessings. In fact, the subject of last week's message was entitled, From Generation to Generation. In that message on last week, it was stated that each generation has been blessed because of the faithfulness, sacrifices, and dedication of previous generations. I said to you that it was important for us to understand that you sit on somebody else's shoulders. You're not here. You're not successful because it has been all about you. If you enjoy any measure of success, it is because you have been placed on the shoulders of someone else. I understand. I give credit and I'm incredibly grateful for those who placed me on their shoulders. Whatever you see any of us doing now, it is because as Paul says in the book of Acts, having therefore obtained help from God, I am standing here today. Is there anybody who know you had some help? Come on. Everybody ought to clap their hands for that. Look at someone and say, you had some help. Uh, the swing did not start swinging because you created the energy on your own. Somebody pushed you, gave you a head start. Someone took you under their wings. Says, I'm going to help you be better. That was last week's message. In today's message, we would like to talk about a subject that we do not find ourselves talking about enough. Particularly those of us that are in the faith community. That subject is generational wealth or inherent wealth. I want to talk about that. Generational wealth, when we use this term, it is simply defined as any kind of asset families pass down from one generation to the next. Today's message, we are going to talk about finances, but we're going to talk about other assets that are important too. Character, spiritual development, 
and what you pass down to someone to help them just be a better person. But as it relates to finances, the assets such as money, property, investment, businesses, etc., etc., building generational wealth has never been easy. And it is not easy today. May I preach to you? May I talk to you today? Listen, there are some stats that I'm going to share with you, beginning with this. It has been reported, and I want you to see this and let this sink in, that 70% of families lose, their, 70% of families lose all of their capital in the second generation. That means 70% of families in the second generation, from mama to child, loses all of it, Dick and Kennedy. They lose it all. That's not bad enough. Look at this. 90% of families lose it in the third generation. By the time it reaches the grandchild, it's gone. 90% of families have nothing to pass on to their grandchildren. And it has gotten so bad that there are times in which people would die and don't even have the money to get buried. I need to preach to somebody. Don't get fooled by the bling bling. I've seen people ride in fancy cars. And when they die, their children come and say, can you help me bury mama? And the reason I say that is inexcusable because you can buy a, 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 a final policy life insurance really relatively cheap. Right, Sister T-Bell and others? And if you can't, she'll help you get it. Come on, get 5000 10000 get, get enough to go to the funeral home and say, bury mama. And mama, put something on yourself so your grandchildren won't have to be so burdened when you die. And by the way, you better get some insurance on your drunk uncle. Because you know... <laughs> Because you know when they die, they're going to come to you. And, and, and y'all know I'm telling the truth. Y'all got some country relatives. They ain't got nothing. And they're going to say, can we put together to make sure Aunt get a decent barrier? I'm going to share something with you. According to a 2021 Bloomberg business report, and I wanted to show you this, and we're going to put this chart on the board. Because I'm not picking on any generation. But these are the facts. Millennials at age 40 years old. Millennials at age 40 years old are doing worse than the generation that came before them at the same age. This is the first generation that's doing worse than the previous generation. 
Perhaps it is no coincidence that this has been called the most selfish generation. Self-centered generation. Not all of them. Not all. But millennials who are so much into broadcasting and posting everything they do and letting people see every trip they take and every new pocketbook they get and every new pair of shoes they get. They put it online, and even if they buy a Gucci belt, you know about it. You know about everything. They ain't got nothing. Not Pastor Jackson. Millennials. This is a report that came to me in the stats on the board. And just so you know, it was a millennial who shared this with me. Uh, Antoine C., right, my dear brother, who, who, who's a part of our family, uh, shared this with me as we were talking about this, and I remember this because he and I had dealt with this at a at a hearing at the state house, and I remember seeing this. Look at this. Look at this chart that's on the screen comparing boomers to millennials. Okay, look at them. Uh, more boomers own their house at forty, same age, than millennials. Uh, the cost of the house for millennials. You say, Pastor, that's why. Because uh, the house for millennials costs a lot more. That's true. But look at the first category. You make more. A millennial boomer with a college, a year of college made $10,300. I mean, I'm sorry, a boomer at year of college, $10,300. Millennial, $24,000. Millennials age net worth. Look at the net worth of a millennial compared to a baby boomer at the same age. Same age, on stock, at the same age. Uh, now, I know you look at that and you say, but it's tough. And I want to preface this message by saying I am sensitive to the recession and what we're going through. Very sensitive to $5 a gallon gasoline. Very sensitive uh, to the cost of milk and eggs. But y'all were broke before $5 gasoline. Can I just be honest? Think about this. I heard a, now not all, because I heard a very touching story about a young man who's a millennial. Uh, and it was told to me that this young man, who I know very well, during the pandemic, took his stimulus check. Now, I'm glad it's dark in here, and don't y'all dare look around. But how many of you in here got a stimulus check? Come on, y'all. Got something from the government stimulus. Y'all got yeah, most, most, most people did get something. And young people did. This young man took every dime of his stimulus check and did not spend it. And saved it and invested it. And he said, because I'm already working, I didn't lose my job, I already have income coming in. Sounds like you right there, a Dick and Kennedy and others. Somebody who's really a young person. And he invests. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> and we laughed about this. If you look at this young man, you will go, oh, man, I don't ever see him with new clothes on. I mean, every time I see him, he looks the same. He don't care about anything else. But you know what? All those bougie Gucci millennials will be borrowing from this millennial when they hit rock bottom. Because it's not all about what's on your back. 
It's not all about what you drive, how you look, and what people think about you. These statistics represent the general population. However, as it relates to the African-American community, unfortunately, please don't miss this, it is a lot worse. As it relates to most of us, it is a lot worse. Take note of these numbers published in an article dated March the 19th, 2021 by the AmericanProgress.org. I've tried to make sure that I put references on everything I said, because I want you to fact check me. For the years 2010 to 2019, white American households in which the head of the households were between the ages of 55 to 64 years old had received, they received an inheritance equal to $101,354. That is what was passed on to them. Next that. In comparison, African-American households, same age, same category, received $12,623. Compare that to $100. And one dollar. Listen, according to another Bloomberg Business article dated June 7th, 2022, African Americans in 2019 had one sixth of the wealth white Americans on an average had per capita. One sixth, not 40 percent, not 40, one sixth of the wealth. We look good. We set the trends. But we don't have anything of substance. I understand that times are hard. But sometimes we've got to evaluate how we conduct our business. Am I right about it? Sometimes we have to look at ourselves. Now, just for the record, there are several reasons for this kind of disparity, such as, and I recognize this even as a historian myself, 246 years of slavery. I know what 246 years of slavery did. I know how it put us so far behind. Uh, other thing that causes the disparity could be the existence of what is known as institutional racism. I know, you know, that certain things, certain jobs, certain positions, uh, you could not get just by the color of your skin. Certain salaries you could not go to that others had just because of the color of your skin. I understand that. I am not taking that for granted or looking at that uh, from a trivial standpoint. Uh, and I point these stats out because they are a part of history. We, we're not saying this so that we can develop a victim's mentality. 
We're saying this so that we can recognize what history is and what history has been. However, my brothers and sisters, I told you I wanted to talk to you. Perhaps another reason for the presence of such debilitating debt. I'm not talking about natural debt that you need a car payment or you need a mortgage. I'm not. I'm talking about debilitating debt. Uh, the truth is, a lot of that is because of poor financial management. Can we just keep it real? Don't point the finger at because your great, great, great grandfather was a slave. That's why you can't handle your money. That's why you don't have anything because great, great grandfather didn't leave you anything. Part of that is poor financial management. I talked to you about the millennial age. Look, I am so impressed with, with their streak of independence. But here's the difference, millennials. All of you want to own your own business. All of you want to work for yourself. You're not the first generation to have ever wanted to do that. The difference between you and other generations is that the other folk had two jobs. <laughs> Y'all, let me preach to this Saturday church. See, uh, when daddy and grandmom and others wanted to do that, they didn't mind trying to work for themselves, but they had here, y'all want to quit your job. with no job and no income and you're going to make enough selling hair and nails and hats or whatever you're going to do to feed you. Pastor, don't, don't sit on my entrepreneur spirit. I encourage that. I'm an entrepreneur. I started a business at 30-something years old. So I know what that is. I ran a company for 30 years. I know what that is, but I did what I had to do to feed my family. And listen, and when my business wasn't as successful, you know what? I sucked it up like a big boy, went and knocked on somebody's door and said, can I come work for you? It's important to understand we don't need the victim's mentality. The truth of the matter is, may I preach, should I preach? The truth of the matter is, a lot of that debilitating debt is because of our own desires and personal indulgences rather than our own actual needs. If we tell the truth, you didn't really need a new bag. If you tell the truth, you should have kept the car you were driving. But pastor, it was a hoop day. At least you got some day. And if all you can afford is a hoop day, then let the windows down with no air condition and ride by your homeboy and say, hey y'all, I may not have what you have, but it's paid for. Can I still be your pastor after the day? <laughs> Desires and personal indulgences. Everybody ought to have a vacation. Everybody ought to go somewhere and relax. 
but go on the one you can afford. Maybe the best choice wasn't the seven-day cruise that you had to put on your credit card and take you two years to pay for. Maybe you should have gotten in your hoop. They let the windows down and went to Murder Beach. <laughs> Preach, Pastor. Because at the end of the day, see, we... <laughs> Preach, Pastor. I, this is the truth. We go on a seven-day Caribbean cruise all over the world some places and come back and got to hide our car from the repo man. Am I right about it? With your bougie self. Yeah, you had a good time. Yeah, you posted it. Yeah, everybody saw you. But was it the wise thing to do? How and what we choose to spend our money on says a whole lot about who we are and what our priorities are. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, NIV translation. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart would be also. I tell you a lot about a person if you show me their credit card receipts. Let me see what they spend their money on. It says a lot about you. Am I right about it? It says a lot about who you are, what you choose to spend your money on. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart would be also. And so here's what God said to me, and I'll say this to even the older generation, one of the best things we can do for the success of future generations is to teach them the importance of sound, practical, as well as biblical financial principles. If you want to leave a legacy, if you want to leave an inheritance, Teach them how important it is to have sound, practical, and biblical financial principles. And the one best way to teach them is to show them. Look at somebody and say, show me. I have come to the conclusion that young people are more influenced by what they see us do than what they hear us say. I've come to that conclusion that a whole lot of folk say the right thing, but you don't walk the walk that you talk about. You say to them, don't do it, but you do it. Say to them, be good, but you are not good. Say to them, treat everybody right, but they hear you dogging people out. They are more influenced by what they see us do than what they hear us say we need all of us all of us starting with your pastor need to work harder in becoming better examples in how we live our lives particularly in the area of financial management and responsibility yes i'm tired of the excuses and young people i'm tired everybody had it hard if you think you have it hard go talk to your grandparents 
hard as plowing the mule for somebody else's property and getting only a percentage of what you make. It's called sharecropping. Hard is putting together ends to meat and growing your own vegetables. Hard is working all day on somebody else's yard and raising hogs in your backyard, not because it's an organic hobby, because you need to put meat on your table. So many of your ancestors went through. So here's what God says. God says, we need to be that example, not just talk about it. So for the remaining few moments of this message, I would like to share three ways we can all become better examples. Pastor Hamilton, it's so good to see you, man of God. Amen, so good to see you. You are a great example of this. Just recognize you over there. Three ways we can become better examples and take this in love. Amen. Tell someone, take this in love. First way is this. Y'all can shout next week, okay? I promise you. First thing is this. I want to leave this on the board. Either memorize it, write it down, take a picture of it. We must put God first in our finances. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Don't tell me you love me when you don't put me first. We must put God first in our finances. Listen, we must share with young people and they must see us participating and they must understand the importance of tithing and offerings to their overall success. Malachi's chapter 3 verses 6 through 12. I want to turn there. I want you to see something. If God isn't first, it had never worked. Everything you have, 100% of all you have, comes from God. Look at somebody and say, it all comes from God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything you get comes from God. If you have a problem with tithing, then you've got a problem with God. Tithing is not the law because Genesis chapter 14, Abraham tithed to the high priest Melchizedek before the law even was created, before Moses was even born. He did. But listen, listen to this. Chapter 3 and verse 6. The NLT version. I am the Lord and I do not change. That's why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ah, Somebody say thank you Lord. 
Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heavens of armies. But you asked the question, how can we return when we have never gone astray? Such self-righteousness. But God answers, should people cheat God? King James says, shall a man rob God? You have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? And God said, you have cheated me of the tithes and the offerings. Do me. You are under a curse. That's why the repo man is looking for you. That's why you've been in three apartments in one year. That's why you are sleeping on a friend's couch now. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. And then the Lord says in verse 10, bring all the tithe into the storehouse so there will be enough food for my temple. If you do this, said the Lord of heavens, here's what I'll do for you. Think about this. God is the only person I know who says, I'll bless you when you pay me back what's mine. <laughs> who else does that? Who else does that? I told the church this morning, listen, here's the analogy. I lend you $100. You bring it back to me. I say, Pastor Jackson, here's what I borrowed from you. I know I was supposed to give it to you last month, but I, but I had a hard time. Now here it is. And then you're standing up in my face and I'm saying, is there anything else? Yeah, what are you going to give me for giving me back what I gave and borrowed from you? You know what you tell people like that? Get out of my... Only God says, give me back what is already mine and here's what I'll do. I'll open the windows of heaven. I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't even have room to take it in put me to the test your crops will be abundant for i will guard them from insect and diseases your grapes will not fail from the vines fall from the vines they are ripe says the lord of heaven's army then all nations will call you blessed for your land will be such a delight god says if you're just faithful to what is already mine. I'll bless you. You want to know who's blessed? Watch those who bless God. God says, if you bless me, I'll bless you. I'll open the windows of heaven. If you don't, I'll curse you. But God said, I'll bless you. I'll bless you. I'm going to tell you a story that my dad told me. And this is a true story. Told this morning at 8, Mother Jackson. You would appreciate this. Dad was still pastor, Dr. Washington. And somebody came in his office. Said, Bishop Jackson, I've got a problem. Got a problem. I'm having a problem with this tithe. I was all right until I got this big raise, they told him. But now nah, I don't know if I can do this, man. I, I'm doing really good. My family, we're almost up to six figures. About the past six figures. 
and, and I've got a problem. I don't know if I can pay that much. Dad said, well, what were you making? I was making about 25 to 30, something like that family. What are you making now? 90 to almost 100,000. This was years ago now. That was a lot of money. They said, Bishop, you got to help me out. Dad, in his infinite wisdom, no MD, a PhD, he just had an HG degree. Y'all know what HG is? A Holy Ghost degree. So Dad said to the young person, I got it. Go get the oil. Elder Kurt, you were here then. <laughs> he said, go get the oil. I'm going to pray for you. And the brother was so excited. Bishop, you're going to pray. What are you going to pray? He said, let's pray that God take you back down to 25,000. <laughs> That's what he said. He said, I'm going to pray right now. Come on, let's touch and agree. And they said, Bishop, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. And Bishop said, see, you had no problems not robbing God when you had 25. And dad said to him, I'd rather you go to heaven making 25 than go to hell making 100. And dad said the brother left his office and never missed paying tithe a day after that. Because here's what he realized. That when I was at 25, it was good. But the only reason I am at almost 100 is because God has been good to me. And if it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, where would I be? Somebody owes God a praise for the increase. Because increase does not come from the east or the west, but it comes from the Lord. And if you are better this year than last year, it's not because of Joe Biden. It's because of Jehovah Jireh. Somebody give God your best praise. Woo! Now listen, if you got a problem paying tithe on what you're making now, I have some oil. See me at the church. I, I, I have a prayer line for everybody that wants your salary to go back to when you can afford to pay tithe. Because you only pay a tenth on what you have. Ooh. Point number two. We must manage our own personal finances well. You want to be an example? to the millennials and millennials, if you want to be an example to the generation that comes after you. Manage what you have well. We must prioritize our needs over our wants. You really need that car? See, you can't look at what I'm driving, or Deacon Kennedy driving, or Glover driving a car. We're older. We've been around for a while. I raised my family, okay? I drove two Volkswagens, one without air conditioning for five years. You don't know my story before you decide to judge my glory, okay? Manage your own finances well. Prioritize what you need over what you want. Can I preach to somebody? 
None of us can afford all of our wants. None of us can. Listen, as grown as I am, I told you that. As grown as I am, my wife would tell you this. Just a few years ago, I sold off a bunch of stuff. I had a, I had a nice little car that I liked, but I needed to get out of some debt. And I said to the Lord, I'm too old to have all of these mortgages, and I'm too old to have this kind of debt. And God says, downsize. And I did, and I sold it. Sold this, sold that. Drove something for the, I'm driving something now. I've been driving almost 10 years. Never done that in my life. I wish I was this wise when I was young. I have a whole lot more now. But here's what God told me. God told me it's not about anything other than where you are with me. And what your needs are. Prioritize your needs over your wants. And here is one that I really want you to see. Please put this on the screen. Please put this on the screen. Take your phone out. Take a picture. Write it down. I want you to see this. We must resist the temptation to compare and compete. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the apostle Paul talks to the church in Corinth. And one of the translations says, what's with all of this comparison? What gets us in so much trouble is this, is that we find ourselves trying to keep up with the Joneses and the Johnsons and everybody else. You don't have, we, I know we live in an age of social media and I know people put a lot of stuff out, but don't believe all that stuff people have out there. It's not your job to replicate what anybody else has. Resist the temptation to, so what? If you're driving a hoop that is yours, thank God for what you have. Listen, Theodore Roosevelt had an interesting quote that says this, and I put it on the board. Look at this, look at this. Leave that there. Comparison is the thief of joy. Reason you're so miserable is because you're judging your life by somebody else's life. Reason why you don't have any joy, no joy, is because you're comparing you with everybody else. Listen, I'm happy for you, brother. Get what you want. I want you to get all you can because this I know God has no respect of person. What he's done for others, he'll do for me. I will celebrate your success because I know the same God that blessed you, God can bless me. But I'm not mad at you or comparing or competing. Even churches got to stop that foolishness. I told the congregation this morning, I'm sick of preachers asking me, how many members you got? How's the crowd? How's the offerings? I've gotten so where I developed amnesia. I, I really don't remember anything. Reason why we keep the lights off, one of the reasons why I, I don't really want <laughs> I want the focus to be on what's important and not on who has on what or looking what way. Stop comparing. Stop 
competing. Comparison is the thief of your joy. If you stop it, you'll have more joy. (laughs) You may be broke, but I'm happy. (laughs) I may not have what you have, but I sleep good at night. Amen. You may not have all the things that other folk have. You may not can afford cable TV, direct TV, any of that, but you're just happy with whatever you have. As long as I've got Jesus, I've got enough. Clap those hands. Give God a hand of praise for godly contentment. It's great gain, the Bible says. And here's the third And the final one, as you stand to your feet all over this place. The third and the final insight is so important. We must leave an inheritance for future generations. A good person leaves an inheritance, the text says, for their children's children. Leave something. Leave the next generation better off than you are. Parents, live your life where you don't have to go borrow from your children. (laughs) Live in such a manner that God can use you to be happy with what you have and leave something. Even if you've got to leave an insurance policy that upon your demise, somebody gets something that they can be better off with. Leave something. Look at somebody and say, leave something. But here's the key, my brothers and sisters. I would not dare conclude this message without this next point. This inheritance that you should leave must go beyond our earthly possessions. We must also leave a spiritual inheritance leave character leave integrity (laughs) leave dignity Mark chapter 8 and verse 36 says and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your soul What good is it to go to hell well off? What good is it to drive your bend straight to hell? What good is it with your Louis Vuitton on your way to hell? Gucci on your way to hell? What good is it if you have a bigger house and a better community if you're mean and nasty and treat everybody bad? And God says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Leave not only a tangible inheritance, but leave something intangible. I thank you, Mother Jackson. Thank you, Mother King, Mother Bradley, others. Thank you all for leaving us a way to live. Thank you. Bishop Jackson, for teaching me how to hold my peace when I want to explode. Thank you, 
for teaching me that joy comes in the morning. Thank you for teaching me that all good and perfect things come from the Lord. Thank you for teaching me how to bless the Lord at all times and keep his praise always in my mouth. Thank you for showing me the way. Thank you, God, our good Father, for teaching me to love everybody. Generational wealth is not just the stuff you possess. It is anything you leave behind. And can somebody say, I'm better because of you. <laughs> My life is better because of you. The altar is now open for anyone who wants to leave a request, pray, come, just you and God. God, I can do better. I need to do better. This is not a point your finger message. This is curve your finger. Let it point at you. Todd Garbeth wrote this song, You Are a Good Father. <laughs> How many of you know that the greatest example we have is that God is a good father? One of the reasons why I have to be a good father is because my great example, Jehovah, is a great father. He supplied all of my needs. David said, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed to beg bread. Look at somebody and say, he's a good father. Uh, he's a good father. Woke you up this morning. He's a good father. Put food on your table. He is a good father. Come on, Christian. Quiet. Ooh, listen. Listen. Mm. Listen. I've heard a thousand stories of what yeah, yeah. they think you like, but I heard a tender whisper of love in the bed of night to tell me that you're pleasing that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. who you are. That's who you are. Your way. Uh, yeah. You are perfect in all of your ways. 
generational wealth that's passed on from one generation to another. But please do not forget the final scripture, Mark 8 and 36. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? So what? Your business is successful, but your soul is not. Whew. So what? You're making money, but you're not happy because you're not right with God. <laughs> That's who he is. He, he was the ultimate example. What I love about that song is that I am who I am. Because he is who he is. <laughs> and because God is so gracious and so good, I'm blessed and highly favored. And so are you. I'm going to tell you something. God desires that we prosper. It is God's desire that you're blessed. I'm not a prosperity only pastor. But I do believe in God's prosperity. I do believe that God can turn your situation around. But remember, first get right with God. Get right with God. Have your relationship with God right. And watch God bless you in such a powerful way. Close those eyes. The numbers are on the screen if you desire prayer. If you want to give your life to the Lord if you are joining us virtually. If you're here in this sanctuary, the elders, ministers are at the rear of the church because of the COVID protocol. Uh, and if you need them, see them. If you want personal prayer, we'll pray with you. If you want to commit your life to the Lord, because it starts with you having a relationship with God. Ooh. Here's what I've come to realize. Until I got right with God, nothing went right in my life. Nothing went right in my life. It was tough. But when I got right with God, it did not matter how things went. It was all good because God is always good. Amen, somebody? And God says the same for you. Let us pray. Eternal Father, we thank you. We bless you. Thank you, Lord. I have fulfilled my assignment for today. I have said what you wanted me to say and how you wanted me 
to say it. We all have been challenged. We all have been challenged to leave the next generation better than what we inherited. Although we know it's not easy, help us to always put you first. Help us to manage what we have and help us to leave something behind. It is that simple, Lord. <laughs> and if we do that, you said we will always be blessed. You said to Israel and all nations will call you blessed. You will be a delightful land, said the Lord of hosts. Ooh, huh? God, I stand on that promise today. This is our prayer. In your name we pray. And everyone that loves the Lord said amen. Amen. Clap those hands. The elders are at the back. You want prayer? You want to commit your life? Come on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Come on. Yeah. It's who you are. It's who you are. If, you, if you're here today. I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. Stand to your feet before the benediction. I want to take this time and thank you so much for what you've done and your giving. And thank you for your vision offerings. Seven dollars is what the Lord has asked us for. Perhaps there is no better way to leave an inheritance for future generations than to make that commitment that I'll leave something behind. 100% of ev everything taken in this offering is used for vision, is used to do something and to build something and prepare something for future generations. And I say thank you. To those of you that are joining us, thank you. Some of you mailed in offerings from all across the country. I thank you because God's doing something incredible. God gave us a mission to build a children's and a youth zone. And God said, this is how I want you to do it. And we plan, it is our goal to break ground this year. Look at somebody and say, watch God. It's, it, it is because of your faithfulness. And I say, thank you. The generation that preceded us. They made so many sacrifices for us to be here today. I guess the question to us is that are we willing to do our part? And I've heard your answer. I've seen your answer. You said strongly, yes, we are. And I say thank you. Watch God bless you as you continue to bless him. Lift those hands. Join us next Sunday. Ninth message in this series, fourth Sunday. Amen. Our chosen generation will be conducting worship, fourth and fifth Sunday. Amen. Looking forward to what God is doing. But God has given me a special message, and I'll tell you in advance the title is Just Think About It. Just Think About It. We're going to challenge the way we think. 
next week. Amen. Invite a neighbor and a friend to come and join us and hear what God has to say. Now may the grace of God, the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit, rest, rule, and abide with us now, tomorrow, and forevermore. And the church said amen. Come on, quiet. And the church said amen. And who you are, we are. God bless you. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm in love by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, a good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm in love by you. It's who I am. to thank you for joining us online and in person. If you desire prayer, please call 1-888-776-1238. There are many safe, secure, and easy ways to give to Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. Online giving is available to both members and guests through my connections at bwcar.org. You can choose to give through your bank, checking, debit, or savings account. You can give via our mobile giving app by texting BWCAR along with your giving amount to 73256. You can mail your check to P.O. Box 90309, Columbia, South Carolina, 29290. Please do not mail cash. Financial donations will also be accepted at the church on Tuesdays from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. If you feel as if this service was a blessing to you or if you are moved by the message in any way, please be sure to share it with your family and friends. For additional announcements and for more information, be sure to visit our website. That's bwcar.org.